0: Reunited, and it feels so good. I don't know what that was, then little little Neil Diamond on top of that for no reason. Aren't you
1: too young to have roller skated to that song?
0: I am too young. I think I'm too young to have roller skated. I think they were all dead by the time I hit my formative years. It was
1: in the great roller skating apocalypse of, uh, 94.
0: They nuked all the roller skating rinks and all the arcades, which is convenient because they only had to hit one place. And yet
1: one man continues across the wasteland <laughs> in search of an
0: operating roller
1: skating rink and the soundtrack to Xanadu.
0: That, actually, if there was, if I could open a Xanadu themed roller rink, I'd totally would. Oh, yeah, I would, too, and lose a bundle of money, but it'd be worth
1: <laughs> just it. Just like Xanadu it, did. It'd be worth it for the three weeks or so it was open.
0: Yeah, for the three weeks or so, people went, oh, that's clever. And then it would just be gone. It'd
1: be gone. People be like, a, scorched it, earth. It goes from clever to irritating really fast. Hey, speaking of, it's digital noise time!
0: The OGs, the 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 Universe Prime, the the those guys, Earth six sixteen, Earth
1: <laughs> Earth nineteen ninety nine, That's Space nineteen ninety nine, Sea Lab twenty twenty one. Ooh, did you used to uh, skate uh, uh, roller skate to Space nineteen ninety nine?
0: That actually would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think I'd do that. Yeah, Space nineteen ninety nine themed roller skating rink with Martin Landau just appearing as a giant disembodied head every once in Man. a while, going couple skate. We're coming up with. $10 ideas here today. This is a, we're going to be rich rich
0: in memories. Kind of like we're rich in Blu-rays this week. Jesus, fuck. Yeah, this is a big week. This is a big week. Hey, if you're listening to this, uh, you should definitely make sure you listen to it either on iTunes or on Stitcher or on the site proper. Any way you do it, any way you want it, that's the way you need it. Uh, if, if you are not yet a subscriber, you should totally become one. Lots of cool stuff uh, in there right now, including two exclusive... A uh, podcast that we do and a host of other stuff coming down the pike. Uh, also, you can follow the show on Twitter, at DigiNoiseCast. And you can like the website on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nut. And hey, this episode is brought to you by audible.com. We like reading books, but paper is, like, so old-fashioned. We're so over it. So, download yourself a free digital audiobook, courtesy of Audible. You can click either the link at the bottom, or go to audibletrial.com slash one of us. You get something free, you're supporting the site, everybody win! Why wouldn't you want to do that, huh? Why well, you gotta be such a dick?
1: I'm gonna stand outside your window and watch the back of your head until you press that button. I'm urinating in your sandbox right now. Ooh. It's funny, though. I was gonna use that sandbox. For For, for what? Taking a shit? For pooping. Sorry. Yay! We've made a pee and poop joke. <laughs> Clearly you want to become a subscriber. <laughs> this episode brought to you by uh, the, I don't, the people who made you Disaster Movie. Yes, Friedberg and <laughs> Seltzer. Yeah.
0: And hey, okay, before we start the show, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this sans notes this week. So if I trip over this, it's like every other week. But now it's time to reach out to the interstellar and receive transmissions from you, the listener. It's the part of the show where we crack open the most questionable of coffers we call... The letterbox. You've got mail. Yes, the letterbox, and
1: without a cue card, he remembers it. Who who said it? Me. No. Well, oh, the thing. The oh, thing. I thought you yeah, the yeah, Questions. Yeah. Okay. I,
0: I remembered it from my memory place where the brain goes. You
1: have said it a few times. I have. Aren't you an actor?
0: I was. I would not call myself as such anymore. because You could be if you wanted to be. I guess so. In, like, gay porn. Like, really low-rent gay porn. Dude, if Bo could get back on stage again. That's true. But you know what? Bo's, like, really good. He is really good. So, yeah. I don't know. That's that's a tough call. Mm. Uh, What also is a tough thing to do is Vamp... While I find the questions that I uh, picked for us to answer. Just do it as Christopher Walken. It'll help. What I'm going to do is vamp uh, until I find them. Oh, here they are. See, wasn't that better? It was better. Joshua McDowell says, what movie are you most ashamed to admit you own? Now, I have a question for you before we answer this question. Uh, What is shame? Uh, It's that movie with Fossbender where he shows his dick,
1: right? Yeah, but it's, you know... When, um, you get really drunk at a bar and you think the girl you were hooking up with is really hot, but then the next morning you realize that she kind of looks like, uh, uh, you know. Like Michael Fassbender? No, because then, even then, you'd be like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> See, but
0: you're saying that, I'm like... Like are a you sp- Wookie. Oh, are you supposed to, but are you supposed to, like, feel not good about
1: that yeah is generally that... I mean, oh unless you uh, like want a bucket list I fucked a Wookiee you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> let the Wookiee finish
1: but like in terms of shame of owning a movie movie there are movies that I could say yes I would feel ashamed to have in my collection because it would insinuate I'm supporting these people in some way like the aforementioned disaster movie which you I, own disaster movies? I decidedly do not own in fact because I would have quit the site right there that is the only movie it. ever that I destroyed the disc rather than sell it <laughs> as the only movie I was like nope snapped it in half threw it away I I threw the
0: reader off a balcony did I, you really i threw the, the the oscar screener copy of the reader off a balcony because i fucking hated that movie oh, i kind of like the reader but, but I mean, no it's nowhere near as bad as disaster no, movie. No, i don't no. mean to claim You're not that even in the same an oscar-winning film is the same as a freeberg and seltzer turd but there but still. are
1: movies that like you know depending on who was here looking through my collection i would probably have to stammer a bit to explain why i have it and mine would probably be showgirls and, <laughs> and not just any version of showgirls but the super nice digi book edition of because showgirls because you can't resist This,
0: those digi books.
1: Well, the thing about that it's Shaking their digis in your face. It's got that performance of the dude who, like, claims he honestly loves the movie, who does the whole, like, explains the whole movie in commentary of why it's a good movie. Yeah. And I'm like... He's wrong, but it's adorable. He's totally wrong. And I think he knows he's wrong. It's just for fun. Because he does it like his performance art, like, on stage. But, like, he's done it at the Alamo. But they got a commentary track of him doing it. And to be fair, I still haven't even listened to it yet. But I figure someday I might. Yeah. Uh, other than that, that movie is one of the worst pieces of shit that's ever disgraced my Blu ray player. I think you've just described hoarding, by the way. Someday I might want to watch this. Oh, so I can't get rid of it now. Well, I have some you know, I'm only caught up to nineteen ninety seven in my newspaper reading right now, mm. so I'm I'm moving on to nineteen ninety eight this year, so hopefully that extra room I'll start to clear out some space. Well done.
0: Yeah. Uh shame. Let me pretend I have it for a second. Uh I shame, own shame, shame. I own
1: Silent Night Deadly Nights 2 through 4. Okay, so those are not good then. No. No, they're very I mean, it, very uh, Is not it in good. one set?
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: see, so that one you can't feel shame for because if it's in one set, you're like, "Well, come on." I own Kindergarten Cop and Suburban Commando. Kindergarten Cop's not that bad. I mean, it's bad, but it like Suburban bad. Commando is super bad. Yeah, I can't, I can't help you with that one. Uh, I, I can only assume there were fond memories from when you didn't know any better.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. I, I bought them as an adult because I wanted to own them as an adult. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, but see, this is the thing. Is like, the thing you need to understand about Brian Salisbury is that he does not normally refer to himself in the third person. And I don't feel shame. I don't. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I'm saying, as I say, I don't feel shame. Uh, but... I want, sometimes I know I'm gonna watch these movies. One of the movies I watch every Christmas is Jingle All the Way. Yes,
1: it's a bad movie. It's a fucking wretched movie. I've never. But, I've never even seen all of it. I've seen pieces on TNT when I was I, flipping around.
0: I marvel at these movies' existences sometimes to the point that I'm like, "Yes, I must own this. I, I must that. own it to remind myself that in the cosmic fabric that binds all of us, this is a part of it too."
1: Now there is some porn. I'm really embarrassed to admit, to, uh, I admit that I own, so I'm not going to. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, fair there enough.
0: Well, our next question, skirting <laughs> right around that landmine, is Zach McLaren says. In a Game of Thrones-esque trial by combat... Woo-hoo. Uh, the theme is 80th action heroes. Who would be your champion?
1: Oh, it's easy for me. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. I mean, he is literally incapable of being hit by bullets. It's true. He, I mean, there is a scene where, like, there is no way. I don't care if you, like, have stormtroopers who are inbred to a point they can't see straight. With that many guys shooting at him from that short a distance, he would have at least gotten grazed. You know the scene I'm talking about where he's walking Fair, around yep, the thing? Yep, yep. So, obviously, he's got a superpower that he just can't be hit by by, he can't be injured.
0: It, it's fair. It's it's a good choice, but let me ask you this question: In Commando, Arnold is in his prime. He's in like the, he's probably like what in his thirties. Like he's he's really like something like that, yeah. ripped and and perfect physical specimen. I'm gonna go with Charles Bronson from the Death Wish sequels that were made in the eighties because he has all of those same qualities. Cannot be hit by bullets, and he's in his fucking sixties. Well, he's
1: he's been doing it for a while.
0: That's what I mean, though. Like, you get the imperviousness, and you get the experience. I gotta go with Paul Kersey. Plus, if you ever watch Death Wish 3, that is, like,
1: urban renewal Bronson style. He knocks down entire brick walls. So it's Death Wish 2 is kind of just a remake of Death Wish 1, and not as good, but still worth watching. Death Wish 3 is just batshit insane and totally worth watching.
0: And Death Wish 2, like, reminds us how horrible it is to be a member of Paul Kersey's family. Because his daughter gets raped, oh twice... And the second time is after she's traumatized into a semi, not comatose, but, like, into a mute state because
1: of the first rape. Maybe. And then she gets raped again. Maybe if he stopped killing criminals, they would stop raping his family.
0: Oh, you know who one of those criminals was in that movie?
1: I know. In the first one, Jeff
0: Goldblum. And in the second one, little baby Larry Fishburne. Really? Totally. Good Lord. Wearing the same little, uh, like, the LaForge glasses as one of the bullies (laughs) in Back to the Future. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Good times. Those are the answers to the questions. Thanks for sending questions. Now we got to dive into the, the reviews? reviews and get fucking comfortable because there are a lot of them. This we can week. shoot
1: through a lot of these, I think.
0: Let's do it. Let's see if we can.
1: <laughs> I don't know what that is.
0: <sighs> That's me doing like the little LeBron James milk or what do you call it? talcum powder. Open. You don't know what I'm talking Who about. Who is LeBron James? Never mind. Don't worry about it. All right. What are we starting with? Oh, I thought. You oh, that's were usually involved. my job. Yeah, it's. I, it's, I was Shit. like, what? What the hell? Shit! I am ill prepared. We're going to start with uh "Most Violent Year" because it's one of the big releases this week. Uh, now, "A Most Violent Year" was uh one of, I think, Jessica Chastain's twelve movies last year. Yeah, we, at least twelve. I think we're covering two of them on this show. By the way, I think there
1: was a law you couldn't make a movie without Jessica Chastain last year. This is true. Another sort of tax thing. This takes place in nineteen eighty, and it's a
0: crime drama. Although I will I will caution you that if you go into in this thinking you're going to get like a Scorsese crime drama, that's really not what this is. This no. is more like this is more like if you consider Margin Call a crime drama, it's kind of more like that. It's kind of more about people having problems with their business, a lot of arguments and closed behind closed doors, a lot of uh, emotional wheeling and dealing, a lot of emotional manipulation. Uh, you know, and it stars Oscar Isaac. Um, as Abel Morales, who is the owner of Standard Oil, which is an up-and-coming company, and he keeps having his truck stolen. And he's in the middle of trying to finance this huge deal that's going to set his company for life, and he, it keeps getting delayed because somebody keeps stealing his fucking
1: trucks. Which sucks if you're a truck owner.
0: And at the same time, <laughs> he's being hounded by uh, a federal agent played by David Oyelowo, who, of course, uh, was nominated uh, for his performance in Selma last year. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's, he's an assistant district attorney who's convinced that um, Oscar Isaac's character is doing some shady book cooking or something's going on, which, by the way he's totally doing oh, that totally, totally. that's totally happening really
1: not as interesting a movie if he wasn't and it was just the guys like oh you know what we made a mistake sorry to bother you
0: this is not a case of prejudice or wrongful <laughs> arrest like he's totally fucking but doing Oskar's
1: this Oscar Isaac is infuriated by it the whole time not in the sense of like how dare they fuck with me I'm too big but like infuriated as if he wasn't doing
0: it yeah yeah <laughs> he's got like a, a real martyr complex I don't know what's going on with him but this movie has its moments that are really intense and really engaging but a lot of it is just camel hair coats and reminding people what '80s cop cars look like, and just very much about the en scene more than it's about the the, the movie itself, the the, uh, the emotional crux itself, I guess, or or the
1: entertainment value. There's not, a, I don't know, I didn't particularly care for this movie. Well, it's you know, he is a guy who doesn't. I mean, even though he, there's a small he's committing small crimes, ultimately, like mm-hmm. blue collar crimes, white collar, white crimes. collar crimes. Yeah. But his wife, who's related to real gangsters, is like, you know what, maybe we should call my dad. And, and he's like, no, I don't fucking get. I do not want to get in with the mob. I mean, he is not actually part of this, but they drag him in because what's supposed to happen? And when even when they're not. They're, like, working around him to try and do this. For instance, they want to arm all the truck drivers. And he's like, no, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, <laughs> to, you know, the truck drivers pretty much arm themselves. They're and,
0: driving down the road and they're flirting with disaster.
1: Uh, Albert Brooks, isn't he the guy who plays Jessica Chastain's... Uh, was that that was that Jessica Chastain's dad? Uh, I... God, I can't remember. Is that bad? That's probably. Bad. I haven't. I haven't seen this since we originally saw. So much streamer.
0: booze in my head right yeah. now. uh
1: No, no, he's his attorney. No,
0: but, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, but right. who
1: also kind of works for the mob guys anyway? Everybody is corrupt in this movie, except for Oscar Isaac, and even he's a little corrupt. Yeah, and it's one of those like, I'm trying to create the dourness of the '70s, but in a really realistic and non-genre way. And I think that's part of why I kind of lost. A bit of interest. I mean, really good performances, really good cinematography, really mm-hmm. good like creation of what it really looked like, and a very slow moving film. Yeah, and not only that, but I, and I hate to be this guy, but if you're going to call your movie a most
0: violent year, there
1: should be more violence.
0: And it's about <laughs> like shady deals and the mob. It's really fucking slow pace for a movie called a most violent year. Yeah,
1: you're expecting something like you know the raid. <laughs> the raid or, or maybe the departed, like although, something. Although if you were to divide up all the killings in the raid to one year, it still wouldn't even come close to New York City. That's true. Yeah, yeah <laughs> You, you know, could spread that it'd shit be out. It's a slow yeah. year in New York City. I'm
0: pretty sure if you spread it out over the course of a week, it still wouldn't touch New York City. Yeah, that's probably true. Especially in 1980.
1: Sorry, New Yorkers. It's just we're just telling you how it is.
0: Just how it is. But it looks
1: good. Looks good on Blu-ray, it's a, so... It's a pretty-looking film.
0: So, yeah, I mean, if if you liked it in theaters, I don't know why you wouldn't like it uh, on, on Blu-ray.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's... I It's one of those films I really like to look at, and I thought Jessica Chastain especially was wonderful in it, and she's kind of like this... Like, you know, she's a very typical sort of like spoiled rich wife uh, character, but she does a lot with it, because she's... Jessica Chastain. She's like the new... Yeah, she
0: can she can make an omelet into something interesting. Yeah, she. Well, I thought omelets by default were interesting. Not if you film them for an hour and a half.
1: No, that's true. Yeah. I think Andy Warhol made a movie
0: called Omelet. Either him or Errol Morris.
1: <laughs> Are you still going off about? I'm Errol- sorry, man. Watch that fucking movie.
0: <laughs> that is one of the most disturbingly dull things I have right. ever seen. I'm gonna have
1: to force you to watch Thin Blue Line then. Oh, okay. So then you'll be like, oh wait, this guy is great.
0: Trade off. <laughs> Trade off.
1: Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, this is a lot of uh, seven and a half minutes of. Uh, uh, deleted scenes, audio commentary with the director and producers, 44-minute two-part featurette behind the, the scenes called Behind the Violence, or lack thereof, uh, kind of interviews with Jessica Chastain Oscar Isaac, and yada yada yada.
0: There's a fucking, I'm sorry, don't, the one special feature you should totally skip is We Can Cure Violence. Which is a PSA, just don't even, I, don't even get me started, you know, just I, just avoid it. That
1: should just, be a warning not to watch the movie. Exactly. or That's like, that. it's like I, you think I rented a movie called A Most Violent Year because I'm concerned about all the violence that's going on right now? Because frankly, if I were, this movie kind of shows me it's not that bad well, out there because I mean, there's not much violence in this movie. Maybe I might feel that way in real life, but that's not what I rent movies with violent in the title for.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, no. No, no, I didn't watch *Violent City* hoping they fixed all the crime in that movie. <laughs> Only the first twenty seconds of *Violent*.
1: They're like, "Hey, guys, calm down. Look, does, uh, use I your words. Yeah, let's just talk this out.
0: We need. We've hired a mediator.
1: We've filled the room with cats.
0: His name is De Niro." <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, <laughs> we filled the room with cats. Well, everybody would relax in that situation.
0: No, I don't think I would. They—they mm-hmm. they make me nervous. All right, what's next? Uh, what's next? Well, we have a couple of carryover titles from last week that I want to sprinkle into the middle of our big, huge blockbuster movies we got to talk about. And one of them, I'm disappointed we didn't get to cover last week was The Sure Thing with John Cusack.
1: Yeah, this was a, a early Rob Reiner film too. I know, am really which disappointed. Is important to note, um, this was from 1985. And was sort of like... Like, whereas all the sort of, you know, teen sex comedies that were going on were very just about being really stupid. Or being the virgin
0: trying to lose your virginity. Right. I mean,
1: they were were going for big, dumb, like, visceral laughs. Not actually about
0: love or anything substantial.
1: This is Rob Reiner trying to make a sweet little romantic comedy that actually was very well received when it came out at the time. And yet, I think because of the fact that it pulls back so much doesn't really hold up as much today. I mean, I'd rather watch Better Off Dead any day of the week. Oh, fuck yeah, Better Off Dead's amazing. Yeah. Mercy Uh, Buckets. Or or Revenge of the Nerds, or you name it. Uh, But that being said, this is still a cute little movie with a young John Cusack, who is being... Much more, it's not a typical Cusack role. Usually, Cusack is, te- is the kind of straight man who's teamed up with like the wacky friend. Here, he is the wacky friend, which is weird. Uh, like he's kind of a frat boy, a little bit of a douchebag. And he goes on a round, ra- uh, he his friend, played by Anthony Edwards and what little more than a cameo. Uh, is he went out to school in California? John Cusack went to Ivy League school on the east coast, and uh, his friend's like, Look. Of course it's lame there. Ivy League girls suck. You need to come out to California and she sends them the picture of this beautiful, beautiful girl played by uh, Nicolette Sheridan and says, she is a sure thing. She, I told her about it, you and she wants to meet you and she is ready to put out. You know, when you actually get to the part of the film where you meet her, you're like this girl is emotionally disturbed. She needs a
0: psychiatrist. Sounds like the person John Cusack now would be more interested in. Right? Yeah.
1: But so he's like, okay, well, I don't have any money, but I need to get out there and meet this girl. So this girl he's kind of been trying to flirt with, I don't know why, played by uh, Daphne Zuniga, who's a totally, you know, the very dead serious rich family on a serious track to be a doctor, uh, or maybe it's a lawyer, I can't remember. <laughs> no, something we're not. Yeah, something we never had a shot at. <laughs> uh, oh, but you could have been an actor, Brian! I could have been an actor, I failed! <laughs> um And they end up having to, like, road trip together in a, you know, improbable series of circumstances. And guess what happens along the way? She's in Spaceballs! that's what
0: happens along the way i'm no, sorry
1: i was trying to figure out where i knew happened, her from that happens later
0: sorry my bad Yeah, no <laughs>
1: uh she is in switch. she played the princess leia character there. yeah uh but no eventually they sort of he mellows out more she gets crazier shotguns a beer love blossoms but they know.
0: reach that equilibrium where they'll settle for each other yeah, it's pretty adorable much. yeah
1: pretty much <laughs> and, and he's clearly <laughs> desperate enough that like there's that point it's like oh wait she'll actually put out okay Maybe this is the one. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's a cute movie. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, except that it's so dated. This this has been done, this type of movies, you know, many times since, and I would even argue better uh, since, uh, but... It is what it is. It's it's a portrait of a period of time in movies. And, you know, the young John Cusack is adorable as always. Uh, Tim Robbins has a small and weird role as, like, this guy with a stick way up his ass who likes to sing show tunes with his wife as they drive cross country. I hate that. Can movie. you imagine being caught in that scenario? Come on, everybody sing. I can imagine throwing myself out of that car. The sun'll so come up tomorrow. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so good. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean,. Are you glad you saw it? I, I, it's been so long since I've seen it. And I remember when I initially saw it, I went, okay. Mm. I was hope, I It sold itself as being a crazy party movie, and then it's not. Mm. Uh, and so I guess there was some degree of disappointment there. Yeah. But, you know, it's shot... It, it's still... I mean... I, I don't know. It's, I was 15. I was ready for boobs, not for saying, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't just be thinking about boobs. So you just watch Hot Dog the movie for 15. Yeah, I time. wanted Hot Dog the movie, okay. and they gave me a like a no, bad.
0: <laughs> no, that's bad. You're supposed to feel shame. You Brian need, doesn't, but somebody should. You
1: need to talk to the the smart flat chested girl. <laughs> 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 well, this is Shout Factory, so there's a, a you know it has features, but they're pretty much all vintage featurettes mm-hmm. that originally came out with this. So Which, I, mean, I gotta say. I kind of like just as much as the new stuff Yeah, can, can do I, I love it when you get the old cast back together Who can reflect after all these years But how is uh, how is John Cusack going to do uh, A retrospective by phone? He, yeah, he would never have done it anyway Yeah, Because so yeah. he's John Cusack and is too good For projects that might actually help his career That's entirely <laughs> true
0: that's, that's one sure thing right there uh so we're gonna move on from there to the Hobbits, the Battle of the Five Armies. What? I don't know. The Battle of the Five Armies. That was funny. Dude. The latest. Okay. No, now
1: don't like Christoph Waltz.
0: <laughs> it is the battle of the
1: armies of which you can clearly see that there are five. Alright, I'll take that. Alright. Uh this is the third and final movie in the Hobbit trilogy. Uh
0: Allegedly. Well, in the
1: Hobbit trilogy.
0: Uh, Allegedly.
1: (laughs) Not necessarily in the Lord of the Rings film.
0: I'm still going to go with allegedly (laughs) until Peter Jackson is dead.
1: Well, it's funny. There's an extra feature on here where they... Clip back to like towards the end of like filming the first trilogy, and he's like going, "It was awesome. I'm glad I did it, but I would never do anything like that again." <laughs> and then they clipped a, at the end Wired. of this, and he goes, "Yeah, I know I said that then, but this time I really mean it. I'll mm. never do anything like that again." I'm can like,
0: I going, get that in writing? Can I please get? I, I'm so sorry, guys. I know you can just start piling on the hate now. I do not like the Hobbit movies. I just don't like them. I could not connect with them, and I think it's because. and, and this is relevant I'm not just bashing this is relevant to specifically why this was my least favorite my problem with the Hobbit movies is they do not make the effort to connect to their own world the way the original trilogy did yes lots of CG that was in the original too but it always felt like a real world a real place I could be I could feel like okay this is Middle Earth but it's also New Zealand, there's ground beneath their feet, yeah. everything feels rooted.
1: No, I, I... I don't get that from these movies. I, I do agree with you. I just don't feel it as strongly as you do. That's right. I, I, it's one of those, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is by... In no way does the Hobbit trilogy live up to what we had hoped for after the first trilogy, which I think is wonderful, the original trilogy. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it has issues here and there. Like, I think they overplay Gimli as as comedy, but overall, it's it's a really great trilogy. This is kind of awkward it's all over the place it's subplots ultimately don't pay off in any good way i mean this is the, arguably the weakest of the three because of the fact that the subplots don't really pay off in any good way that the battle scenes all feel like no one was really paying attention to what might seem plausible to happen oh my god billy Connolly's first of all
0: speaking of not paying attention yeah were the CG guys not paying attention? Because seriously... The CG looked bad. It's so fuck. The, it's not that it... Okay, it's not just that it's bad, it's that it's obvious. Yeah. That's my bigger problem. It's not that I'm saying, oh my god, they didn't know how to use a computer. I'm saying the, the seams around everything are clear as day. So much more visible. And I don't know who the fuck was working on Billy Connolly's character... But I, was, I literally felt like I was watching a playthrough of World of Warcraft. That's how video gamey it looked. I was like, "You got 10 years ago, you did better than this. Well,
1: that's a, part of the problem is that 10 years ago, they relied more on model, real models. They relied more on actual actors with makeup. And now, like, it's 80% CG characters, mm-hmm. and it makes a difference. It takes you out of it. I yes. mean, I thought if anybody would understand that, it would be Peter Jackson, who went to all the trouble to do it right the first time. Who fucking made wet up. Yeah. Like, that's his company. Right. But I, I'm i sorry, like, the moments
0: of this movie that are supposed to be the most exciting, like uh, Legolas' battle on that falling tower that should have been the best part of the movie, I was just like, just fucking end. I, if I see rubbery Legolas jump from one peak to another and do another backflip, I'm gonna lose it.
1: Yeah, it just didn't look anywhere near as real, didn't have anywhere as much of the effort that was put into the first one, even in the CG sequences in the first one. were so much cleaner, so much better done. Um... As well, like like the whole Sauron plot that was building, too. When they wrap it up, you're like, why was this even in this movie? There's so much of that. It's, There's it, so, it's so much It's just of like that. over in seconds, and you're like, what happened? Did you just... You, the only reason this was there here was so Galadriel could have an appearance.
0: Yes. As near as I could Absolutely. Ask. And that whole like thing on top, I was like, this looks... this That felt to me like I was, at, I was at The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, The Ride at Universal Studios. It didn't feel like a real movie. Oh,
1: and can I mention the fact that how irritating it is that it takes exactly ten and a half minutes to do the battle over the, the the human city with Smog. The thing, the last movie, cliffhangers on and then it's over before you know what happened and there's still like two hours of movie left to go, over two hours of movie I'm, left to go.
0: I'm surprised that there were a full ten minutes because it felt like two minutes. Well, I, 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 I timed say this. it. <laughs> you timed it. Okay, but I gotta say this. This is the problem with the way they split these movies, is that the second movie is called The Desolation of Smog. Hey, spoiler alert, he doesn't desolate anything in that movie and they were like okay well they're saving the desolation for the third film that's weird but okay and then it's like yeah over in 10 minutes and i'm like why was anything anything called the desolation of Smaug? why yeah
1: because you barely see any and you don't see it in the movie that's called the desolation of schmaug i mean one of the biggest problems of the last movie is that it cuts off before we really get what you came there to see and you're like okay yeah uh and if it was just going to be this short, it should have ended with that and then with the sight of orc arm, armies starting to march towards there. Something, okay, man. because the, this movie's called The Battle of the Five Armies, not because, oh yeah, and goodbye to Smog. I
0: couldn't even tell you right now. I could not even tell you who the five armies were. Like, whose armies. It was like, there were some
1: elves, there were some orcs. Uh, the Flying Deus Ex Machinas. Flying Deus Ex
0: Machinas. <laughs>
1: Those motherfucking <laughs> eagles. God damn it. You really had to make three of these movies just to pull the same shit again? I mean, this is the, the best, uh, this is the argument of why it was a mistake to do three rather than two movies for The Hobbit. Yeah. Because two would have cut out so much unnecessary stuff, so much filler. Uh, they could have been more focused on making the effects when they were using them for big war scenes look better. As it was, this felt like they were just rushing to get through it.
0: You could have left out all the stuff from the sim meh
1: uh, so, actually, none of the stuff from the Silmarillion is actually in here. Really? Yeah. Where? Where is it? Somebody else owns the rights to it. No, but uh, they were talking about how they were putting stuff from the Silmarillion it's, in it. They made up all the new stuff in this. It's all totally made up stuff. So
0: why were they telling people they were
1: bringing... I'm so know. confused. Apparently the Silmarillion is owned by somebody else. So, yeah. Oh my god, so that means they could potentially make that movie too? Oh, believe me, I'm sure it's been brought up. Oh. Yeah, because this still, of course, made a shit ton of, uh, um, of money. I mean, it cost $250 million, and at this point, just theatrically, it made $9 155.1 million. So I would call that a win for the studio? Yeah, it's a win. <laughs> but um for yeah, them. I mean, I don't I do not hate this movie. I think if it wasn't a Lord of the Rings movie, I'd go, ah, it's a silly, fun, popcorn fantasy film that I had a good time with. It's just mainly disappointment that this is a brand I, ex- I expect the highest quality for, and that was just not there.
0: See, and I think this is where you and I differ, is I didn't even have fun with this. Mm-hmm. Because it was so rubbery, because it was so drawn out in certain points, and then trying to compartmentalize things that were far more important, and the, the way that it was all edited together, the, like the three stories, like... All of that took me so far out of it that not only was I not having fun, but, like, I I started to feel like those people who aren't necessarily geeks who go into these movies, like, oh, my God, these fucking fantasy films. I started to feel like that, like and that's, <laughs> that's the unforgivable thing. Peter Jackson, that's the thing I can't forgive. You've been watching you, too much sports is the problem. You made me feel... <laughs> Yes, that's gotta be the problem. You made me feel like one of those guys. I am not one of those guys. I love fantasy. I've got a boner waiting for Game of Thrones to start. Yeah. And you made me dislike fantasy... This much? No, no, I cannot believe that. To some extent,
1: that. Game of Thrones was the next logical step after the original Lord of the Rings films, and this is a step backwards even before Lord totally. of the Rings in terms of fantasy filmmaking. Totally. And even the Blu-ray is a disappointment in that, like, once again, they're holding out for the good bonus features till the inevitable director's cut that comes out. Till the
0: 12, 13, disc complete saga edition
1: I mean, it's not even an hour of extra features on here not even an hour Jesus. and a lot of it is reused footage from the original series because there there's a lot of like oh the whole thing has come to an end you're like yeah i already saw this bonus footage
0: i remember when i was still writing movie news and they made me write about one of the featurettes that's listed here about the last goodbye that was online and I, my whole take on it was we'll see <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get teary about this the way I did about the one at the end of Return of the King Sure, because I don't fucking believe you anymore Yeah, fool me three times you get the Hobbit trilogy yeah, he's like a stalker at this point Kinda he just keeps bit. following us
1: around going like, little oh, you, I thought you loved me
0: <laughs> that's that's exactly what he is it's like, that. please never please never let me make a movie outside of Middle
1: Earth ever again show me on the Middle Earth where Peter Jackson touched you. show me on this cave troll
0: <laughs> uh, so we're going to move on to Chattahoochee Oh, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, Chris, gonna tell us all about this blue hooray. That's just fun to say. It is
1: really fun to say. Chattahoochee! Chattahoochee! <laughs> See, Pam Grier should have been in this, because they could have called it Chattahoochee Mama. Chattahoochee Mama <laughs> would have been a great movie. A great black exploitation film title right there.
0: It'd be fun to say if you were Dave Matthews, you'd be like, Chattahoochee!
1: Is that what Dave Mathis? I don't, know. Sounds like? I don't uh, know. I don't fucking know. This is a 1989 movie based on a true story starring a very young Gary Oldman and a not quite as young Dennis Hopper. Is Dennis Hopper ever young? Yeah, I know. Right? Even well,
0: an easy writer, he's like, what,
1: 50? Uh, Rebel Without a Cause. He's, there you go. Yeah, he's pretty young in that.
0: There it is. Yeah.
1: Uh, but the idea is, uh, Oldman, Oldman plays a Korean vet who has just lost his shit. He uh, it comes back and he's, he, you know, even though he's married and has a nice house and a kid with Frances McDormand, who wow, who knew she was ever that young? She was pretty hot when she was in her twenties. Huh. Uh, that he's he's lost it and he takes his pistol and starts just shooting up the neighborhood. And this is the '50s, mind you, so people don't immediately call the SWAT team; they're just concerned for him. <laughs> <laughs> they're like hey what's wrong stop shooting things remember when people used to just be concerned instead of immediately calling in a swat i love that those are the only two
0: options we have now like man he's spending a lot of time with that girl and not enough with his friend send
1: in the team send in the team well if you read jezebel that's a <laughs> response to which i Jezebel's do want not <laughs> um But so the local police show up and basically he's trying to get the police to kill him because he wants the insurance money to go to his wife. He can't kill himself when it's clear that that's not going to happen because the police just kind of stand outside. It's okay. We're your friend. He's like, oh, for fuck's sakes. And he tries to shoot himself in the chest. Fails. How do you fail your vet? How do you fail I, killing yourself with a gun? If know. you're shooting yourself in the chest, it seems like... Well, later really they're like, he's like, I what happened? I shot myself in the heart. He's like, no, that's television. The heart's actually over here. <laughs> 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 that's not where the heart is. Uh, but he gets sent to the Florida State Hospital, which is a uh, basically a work camp in Chattanooga, Florida, where it... it I mean, it's ridiculous. This is, like, of all the films you've seen of, like, you know, the mental hospital that's in terrible condition or whatever, that's not supposed to be a horror movie, but, you know, realistic, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or something, Uh, this makes all those other places look like a holiday resort by comparison. Mm, I mean, it is, I mean, it... It's a mess and the the inmates are are all batshit crazy or there's nobody's taking care of them at all. The guards are constantly fucking with them and abusing them. And Oldman, even though he is definitely crazy, like they never make any mistake about the fact he's fucking nutso. (laughs) Sounds about right. Uh, Is sane enough to realize this shit won't fly. It's not cool. And over the years of being there starts putting together a case against the state uh, and trying to get it out to somebody. So they can, you know, go, look, this is fucked up. Nobody knows how bad it is in here. Now, you know, this has got cool people. Like I said, Dennis Hopper has a, you know, it's his buddy in there, but it's still a relatively small role. Francis McDormand is his wife. Uh, Ned Beatty has a small role. M- Emmett Walsh has a small role. Lots of familiar looking people. Uh, from films of this era and ultimately it's not as good a movie as a lot of other things you compare it with like once uh what what, i just said it (laughs) (laughs) once upon a time in america no no the uh, one flew over the cuckoo's oh (laughs) uh but it is a must-see for the performance of gary oldman who was always good but this is one of those roles where he just bowls you over with what an incredible fucking actor he is. And he gets a great big bushy beard. <laughs> Which is always a plus. Yeah, it's always who a plus. wouldn't want that? Yeah. But I anyway, actually have one of those. It's uh this is olive film, so no bonus features at all. But it's a curious little footnote in Oldman's career that if you're a fan of his, really want to check this out. It's not the, it's not a bad movie by any stretch. It's not a classic, but it is so worth it for his performance.
0: Fair enough. Well, we're going to move on from there to what's the next big uh, movie on our list? The next uh, major... I thought we had one more. Interstellar?
1: Interstellar!
0: Yes. The other Jessica Chastain movie this week. <laughs>
1: That's right. She was in this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> kidding when I said we had two this week. Uh, what was it? Uh, I can't even remember who said it. Was it Michael's that they keep getting older and I just stay the same <laughs> <age>? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, they do. Kind of brilliant. Yes, they do.
0: <laughs> now, look. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying I get it. I get all of the problems that everyone has with this movie and none of you are wrong. I want to say that emphatically except for those people who tell me exactly what would happen inside a black hole because I'm sorry, they can theorize all they want but no one's ever actually been inside a fucking black hole, so don't 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 get pious
1: about that. Actually, that's the one thing that even like the hardcore science defenders go Okay, yeah, that probably wouldn't happen like that.
0: Yeah, but they don't know, so stop acting like there's, like, a hard line, like, that's not, that's why the movie's stupid. Okay, everything else, I get it. All that being said, I can forgive all of this because I really like what it's doing. This is Christopher Nolan's latest film. Uh, it takes place in the future where, essentially, we've entered a second Dust Bowl. Uh, where, you know, like, uh, resources are drying up, and, and every all the crops are dying, and there's dust that's, like, so prevalent that it's killing people, and essentially, we've got one last shot. We've got to find an inhabitable planet somewhere else, and we've got the ability now to travel through these, uh, basically through these wormholes, and we have three, we've sent out astronauts to three planets that we believe might be ha- habitable, but... There's no way to get them back, so basically what we have to do is decide where we're going, which one we decided is probably most likely to be habitable, meet up with whoever's there, and the team sent out on this mission, there's no way to get them back. So this is a one-way trip, but hopefully it will save all of mankind.
1: Meanwhile, back on Earth, uh, uh, Matthew uh, McConaughey's daughter, a young, not Jessica Chastain, but will be eventually, is being haunted by a poltergeist. that's moving stuff around in their house that will in no way come back at the end of this film and be important. You can pretty much forget that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know what they say about a poltergeist in the first act? What do they say about it?
0: Well, that it's going to come back in the third after the space stuff.
1: Oh, did they say that? That
0: is in a textbook somewhere. Okay, You can enough. go read
1: it. Well, that explains why they thought it was a good idea to do it here. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't think it was such a good idea. I have a lot more problems with this than the science. And people always try and say, oh, come on, man. Fucking even these scientists are saying a lot of the science is at least plausible. And I'm like going... Look, I think some. I I do think a lot of the science is implausible, but believe me, that is not what took me out of this film. Yeah, it was okay. largely things like the predictability of the whole thing in terms of the whole first to the third act. I was like, please tell me they're not going to do that. Please tell me they're not going. to... Uh, they did that. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, this is personal taste, mind yeah. you. Not certainly, we're talking about opinion, not fact, in uh, in terms of criticism, or you know, I mean, there's lots of things like. Okay, so you have a strong female astronaut, and then you have her do a totally weak female freak-out thing that almost kills everyone on the planet, and I'm like, fucking, are you serious, mate, right now? I do dislike her <laughs>
0: monologue quite a bit. Oh, I my will, God! But and, that, and I should make that disclaimer, because that monologue is actually part and parcel of what I do. It's very hard for me to explain exactly... No, it's not hard for me to explain what I like about it. It's hard for me to explain why there are certain things about it that I forgive, Uh, Because really, ultimately, what this movie is about and what I love, what is my favorite kind of sci-fi? My favorite kind of sci-fi is when they use cold, hard, analytical science and math to get at something that binds us as people. Like, that is my favorite kind of science fiction. Like, the really cold, detached, 70s sci-fi like we've talked about is just not my bag. Because I think it's far more interesting when you kind of attack this inherent divider between the left and right brain between the emotional and the analytical and to me that's what the best science fiction does is it uses science to unite humanity or to better understand humanity and that's what this movie is, is it's using science it's using space travel, wormholes, all of that stuff to make a very clear very simple, I absolutely concede that a very simple statement about love and about specifically uh, the connection between a, a child and their parent and to me, w- that element of it works so well. That element of love, that is the fucking subject of the monologue that I actually hate. Uh, it was it, much better in the fifth element. It was better in the fifth <laughs> element. Uh, it, wor- it That works for me. So, and not only that, but the spectacle of the movie works for me. So, the things that don't work are the things like it's. You know, it's and again, like I, I can't explain why something like this and the problems that I can forgive here are the things that I can't really forgive in something like Prometheus. Yeah, but maybe it's just because I don't really feel like Prometheus is trying
1: to get in any bigger idea. Well, yeah, it's Prometheus. Prometheus didn't seem like it hinted at bigger ideas, but didn't seem ultimately to know where it was going. Interstellar
0: connects people. Prometheus was connecting parts of
1: a franchise. I mean, I think that for me, the things you liked about it are partially what I didn't, because it's trying so hard to tie everything up in a neat little bow that it felt contrived to me. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, I agree with you that I prefer science fiction that has those the hard science fiction, but ultimately is something as Say about all of us and humanity I felt like it started that way, but then said like, oh, we used our hard science fiction to, from a distance, open a Hallmark card. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, what it felt yeah. like to me. Yeah, and, no,
0: I, and If that if that doesn't work, the movie falls apart.
1: Yeah, a, a, if
0: that it, doesn't work for you, then the whole movie falls apart. And, I and there's that.
1: other things along the way. There's little things like, I don't think anybody would behave that way. Or the idea that they could even plausibly, in a world that has largely banned science, keep no a world. giant rockets-to-space factory secret.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm kind of scared about the shit the government it's keeping secret right now
1: well you know i mean maybe with the lack of satellites sure but still i was like there's a lot of stuff i'm like i'm having a hard time swallowing
0: there's a lot of corn out there man there's, there's a, lot, a of corniness lot of corn in this
1: movie hey <laughs> Uh, I think the performances are good, and I agree with you. The spectacle is phenomenal. It's a beautiful-looking film. Uh, I, I'm getting a little tired of Hans Zimmer's bombastic scores at this point. They are all kind of seem like the same score. Just See, I'm not there little. yet.
0: I'll get there. I'm not there yet. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't think it's a bad score. I just think it's it's getting to where it's like, you you only have so many tricks, don't you, Hans? Well, when he runs out of tricks, he calls Claus Bedell. Yep, there you go. Or
0: Blett, or however <laughs> you say that guy's name. Uh,
1: uh, they need to just let uh, Manzel start scoring everything, because I think he's actually much more ta- talented. Manzel. Uh, is that his name? Uh, the guy from, uh, Requiem for a Dream and all. Oh, yes, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Clint Manziel. Clint Manziel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Not Johnny Manziel. No, I think Clint is one of the most talented scorers out there right now. He's phenomenal. And then the, the, uh, Bear McCreary, also really incredible. See, and I feel like the problem you're
0: having with Hans Zimmer is the problem a lot of people have with Michael Giacchino that I don't have mm. cuz it's like yeah I understand a lot of his stuff sounds the same it doesn't mean that he doesn't know exactly how to use it and get me to cry at the drop of it yeah, I don't
1: have the Giacchino problem no? a lot of other people okay. say that too I really like his work but yeah. maybe it's just cuz I was such a lost fan mm. eh. 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 <laughs> anyway, um most of the extra features on here are pretty much like fuck you, the science is tight. <laughs> literally they could have called it that. Almost all of them are about that.
0: <laughs> okay. Alright. I'm not even gonna defend that. That's fucking don't do that. Don't don't get up there and be like, no, I was like lying in the sand, I was fucking right. Like I, I defended you, Christopher Nolan, when I thought everyone in the world was trying to be smarter than the filmmaker, but don't be that guy who's like, I'm the filmmaker who's clearly smarter than the audience. Don't be that guy either. Let's well, let's find the, a
1: middle ground. That you, this is that's what the bonus features are for. Oh so, boy, sorry, pontificating but in supplemental form. That being said, there's an awful lot of them here. And there <laughs> there are, are a lot of every them. detail of the filmmaking and like little stuff like, did I there's two and a half minutes about how they threw real dust into the frame rather than adding it digitally. I think you could have left that feature out. was a whole special That's feature. I just said. We go from the fucking Battle of the
0: Five Armies, which is like, I don't know, maybe we'll come back to this. The end of special features. To this is like, yes, but the dust. The dust. The dust, Chris. I'm the dust. You. Oh, yeah, anyway. boy. That's a thing. It's a thing. Alright. Well, that was Interstellar. Uh, oh, did you get your, uh, did this come with uh, an authentic uh, what did they, an IMAX film cell that they're promoting on TV right now? No, I don't think so. They're like, get the Blu-ray and an authentic IMAX film
1: cell. I'm like, that's great, but you need a fuck ton of those to make that work. No, I'm just hoping. Have you seen the things on Criterion where I assume they're putting out Lawrence of Arabia because there's all these pictures of them holding up an original film cell from it? Ooh. I was like, oh, oh, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yes,
0: please. All right, well, let's move on. I think we've covered. All the big, all the big uh, movies, releases, anyway. all the big movies. Yeah. So let's talk some TV for a minute. Okay, why not? Let's start with Silicon Valley, season one. Uh, yeah. Now you hadn't actually seen this before. Now, I hadn't, right? but I watched the first season, and I got to tell you, this is fucking hilarious. It's pretty funny
1: stuff. This I is, really like this show. This is what we all wish Big Bang Theory had been. Yes. That not denigrating against geeks. Oh my god! About so much better. Real, honest to god, socially challenged geeks. Where it's not the show is not against them. Yeah, You know, it's not like going, like, aren't these guys pathetic? It's not really like that. They are a little pathetic, but it's not... You know that's not the point of the show, and And they
0: allow the characters to be unlikable for reasons other than oh my god they're so nerdy. Yeah, it's like what? First of all, if you write a character who's supposed to be unlikable because he's too nerdy, you are promoting hate. And secondly, (laughs) secondly, these guys are unlike some of these guys. Like Martin Starr's character is one of my favorites in the show. He's unlikable just because he's a dick. It's not because he's a nerd. It's not because he works with computers. He's just a dick. Now Martin Starr, isn't he the one who died? No, Martin Starr is the guy from like, uh, he's, he's the guy that was oh, in yeah, the Judd guy. Apatow yeah, yeah. movies. The Satanist. The Satanist, yeah. yeah. He's allowed to just be a dick. It has nothing to do with his nerdiness or his amount of cool. He's just kind of
1: an asshole. And I'm like... Thank you. Allow someone to be disliked because they're an asshole, not because they're a nerd. It was Christopher Evan Welch on here who played, like, a, basically the Peter Gregory, who is the guy who ultimately f- agrees to fund these young uh, tech startup nerds. With their Pied Piper. <laughs> With their, their Pied Piper program, who unfortunately died very young during
0: the making of the show. I really wish I could remember where it was, but there was a really great article about him and why uh, he was di- He knew that he was going to die before they started shooting. Yeah. And he talked to the film, the, the showrunners and he was just like, here's why I want to do this. Here's why I think I should do this. And it was this really beautiful movie. God, of course I'm saying all this and I can't remember where the fuck this article
1: is. So I am no help whatsoever, but Google it. <laughs> uh, Thomas Middleditch plays the the lead here as a very shy, uh, socially awkward programmer who has sort of a- a half acidly come up with this program uh, that is his ideas for it for streaming music and as it turns out it didn't occur to him that what he's invented is the most effective uh like program ever designed to take compressed files and decompress them in record time which is like you know uh it's like the fountain of youth or the like what I don't know the Holy Grail. There you go. This is the like, Fountain of No. We're going Fountain of Youth. No, no, not Fountain of Youth.
0: That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's it's the Crystal Pepsi.
1: The Crystal Pepsi. Uh, yeah. No, wait, because nobody it's, wanted. It's that. the Delorean. The Delor the working not filled with cocaine Delorean. It's the Ford Pinto. The, De- <laughs> the Delorean that wouldn't die on you after six months of driving.
0: It. I think I had that children's book that, that was the
1: title of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Delorean that wouldn't die. Obviously a fantasy. Uh, <laughs> but and when it's pointed out to him that. Like, this is one of the most amazing things anybody has ever done, technically. He reconsiders the whole thing, and with his team of people he was working with under a really obnoxious, intentionally, so entrepreneur Play by T.J. Miller, uh, they decide, <laughs> in a choice between two companies who wants to buy them, one who just wants to buy the idea outright for, like, a huge amount of money, and the other who's like, we'll fund you, but you'll own it ultimately, and we'll own part of it. They decide to go with, we want to keep working on this ourselves, which... I personally would have just taken the bigger money. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm waiting
0: for the day I get an email from you. So I sold the site. Yeah. And I'm like, what? But I wasn't. Yeah, goodbye. Here's $2 million. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll see that, too. You'll email me from Florida from a beach like, so this was fun. Goodbye. Why would I email you? (laughs) Fair point.
1: Fair point. <laughs> I mean, if I was gonna do that, I'd just be gone.
0: That's true. All right. I'm sorry, Bernie. I'm sorry to interrupt you.
1: <laughs>
0: um, As in Madoff.
1: But I, this is a you know, I mean, it's a fun little show. That's that's definitely a straight up sitcom in its way, but not in any traditional sense. I mean, the half hour episodes, uh, people that seem like real people. Uh, No Laugh Track, obviously. No. Uh, Because, I mean, shit, this is uh, HBO. Uh, It's Mike Judge doing it, so it's very much in the spirit of Mike Judge type of comedy, like Office Space type stuff. Which I I tend to like a lot of things that Mike Judge does. Yeah, I think if you like Office Space, you'll like this. It's definitely very different from the other stuff he did between then and now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, though. Richard hates the show. Really? Oh, he despises it. And I've never been entirely sure why.
0: I, you know, I mean, not to call out somebody who's not here to defend himself, but we did, apparently. Uh, (laughs) I don't get it. Like, that guy's taste in mine sometimes run to the complete opposite, and I never quite understand why. Well, that's going
1: to happen with anybody.
0: But I tell you what, one of my favorite characters on this is actually played by Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, yeah. Who is also, if you haven't listened to his stand up, he's fucking hilarious. And he's
1: also a a regular on Harmontown and super funny on that. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: No, but uh, this whole ensemble really works in their own very odd, quirky way. And I just, I I have so much fun. There are lines in this show that literally I have to pause the episode. Because I'm laughing so hard. I, I really dig the show. I think this is one of the the better new shows on TV. And if you are someone who gets like me, that black bile taste in your mouth whenever you hear someone like, I really like, uh, you know, Big uh, Bang Big Bang Theory, because because you know I know some nerds and they're like that. I'm <laughs> watch this show and then punch those
1: people directly in the cunt. <laughs> I don't Just, have the hate on for Big Bang Theory, but I don't. Think it's more than a one season worth of laughing show. It's like, yeah. okay, I got the joke. It's over. You what? You're still going? Uh, <laughs> you're paying them more? Uh, and but I do think this is a much better show. It's certainly a much more mature show. Yeah, even though sure. it's still really goofy and silly. If I have anything I don't like about this, is that I'm just not a TJ Miller fan. I just don't like TJ Miller. That's gonna
0: be important. Yeah, and, and I
1: think he is like playing the character he almost always does here with this guy who's so arrogant and so obnoxious and everyone, as in every other movie he's in where he does it, just puts up with it. And I'm like, dude, are you seriously telling me that nobody has thrown this guy down on the ground and beaten the holy living fuck out of him yet? I mean, yeah. like, almost weekly. Because I'm pretty sure that would happen.
0: See, I want to see him play more characters like the one he voiced in Big Hero 6. Yeah. Because I think he could pull that off. Yeah, just like, agreed. Just like the really... it like, He'd be the same. He'd be the weird outcast, but he'd be so enthusiastic and fun that you couldn't help but love him. Yeah, I don't know why he plays
1: this character so much. I just happen to think in this show, it works really well. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it does work within the context of the storyline and the characters because they're all... But he's an alpha, and they're all betas. Like very much betas. Yeah, or lower. As as Kumail Nanjiani <laughs> said
0: in one of his stand up gigs, alpha as fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though the story is partially about the main character who is the most mouses of them all, eventually learning to come out of his shell and you know assert say, himself, say no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, A- another
0: show that I have to pause because I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. Continuously is beep. Oh, oh my god! So funny. Is it me or does this get better with every season? I,
1: I think it might, um, and it certainly does a lot of things that surprise me constantly. Like for mm. instance, they. <laughs> Are they going to have to change the name of the show next season? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, Julia, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, who I still think is one of the funniest women alive. She's fucking horrible. Uh, plays Selena Meyer, who is a the vice president of the United States of America. It takes place in her office. It was created by Armando. Uh, in, damn it Ian who was the creator of The Thick of It if you ever saw which that which became British in the TV loop show, right? which became the movies with the, that tied into it in the loop and this is believe it or not considered to exist in the same universe apparently there are characters that. from there that have appeared on the show over the over time huh. but i haven't watched enough The Thick of It to detect when Me that neither. was happening Me neither. but it is considered to be the same universe uh, and at this season got where she has decided full on you know what um the president is not going to run again his wife has psychological issues he's we're very sure but we can't say it yet so we're going to start prepping for Selena to run for president but we're not quite we don't know when the time is right to announce it we don't want to announce it right. before the president announces he's not running right. uh, so the first half of the season is pretty much about that and the second half is like oh everything starts ramping up as all these other competitors start throwing their hats into the field and I think it's that tension going on there that makes this one of the more fun of the three seasons so far. Yeah. Uh, you know what I did not realize?
0: What did you not realize? Anna
1: Chl- Chlumsky, who plays Amy Bruckheimer, the chief of staff. You had never seen my girl. I had never seen my so girl. So you didn't know where she was from. Did not know that. I So I'm watching my girl and going, I have to have seen this girl somewhere before. She <laughs> looks so familiar. No idea. At all. That That is hilarious, man. But uh this season Jonah Ryan has his all time best season, who is like the Frankenstein looking motherfucker. Yes (laughs) who uh (laughs) is a a liaison to the to the vice president's office to the White House who got that job we're not even sure how.
0: Why didn't somebody call him you are Frankenstein's monster if Frankenstein had built his monster
1: entirely out of dicks?
0: There's that line I couldn't. I was like, "That's in an earlier season," but I like couldn't breathe. I was laughing. So <laughs> the best hard.
1: lines in the show are almost always when someone is insulting Jonah.
0: Yes, <laughs> almost always. And
1: almost he's so obnoxious, that he always gets his comeuppance. So yeah. it's like. It's just hysterical to see him get beat down. And this season, he actually loses his job and starts a muck-raking political website. Oh, my God. He's like he's like oh, every so horrible, like, funny. playthrough
0: guy on the internet is like, what's up? I'm bringing you the truth. And, like, his roommates are smoking pot in the background.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Yeah. Um, Lots of good guest appearances this season as well. Uh, they bring back that, uh, the character, uh, what is she, like the Swedish ambassador's wife? Who, yeah. Like, and last season, the Swedish ambassador like basically started groping her.
0: Yeah, Dave Foley gropes her. Yeah. Dave Foley is the husband of the Swedish ambassador, and she's the Swedish ambassador. And I, yeah, that was, that was really cool they brought her back.
1: Yeah, and there's an encounter with her that is super awkward and awesome. Anyway, this is great stuff. If you're not watching Veep, it is time to start. It may be the funniest show on television right now. Get into it! Or something.
0: Or some singer we could put at the end of reviews.
1: <laughs> Elect to watch Veep. That's
0: good. That's good because if you don't, we'll replace you and we'll put Veep in your place. Yep. That's, that's how it works. That's what happens. Because government. Yeah. Or we'll assassinate you.
1: Should yep. I not say that? Nah, no, probably shouldn't. That's okay. fine. We'll, right.
0: we'll, we'll leave that in. Right, don't edit that out.
1: Alright, it'll be fine.
0: It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, well, let's move on to a movie that you got to see that I did not get a chance to and that is The Rewrite.
1: Oh, Okay, uh yes. the rewrite is the latest attempt to make Hugh Grant palatable again. How's that going? Um, you know, here's the thing. I like Hugh Grant. He has a I char- like you too. He, <laughs> hey oh, he, he has a charm that I think is really kind of undeniable, except for those who do deny it. and <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, it seems like a lot of people would deny that, but yeah, okay. but you know, I mean, like he always has played largely the same type of role. and I think people had kind of r- written him off until about a boy, which it was like, oh. Oh, yeah, now we remember why we liked Hugh Grant. Right. And it seems like he doesn't make that much stuff, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But when something does float to the surface, it's usually something where he's playing a very similar part to that now. Yeah. You know, this sort of like, not awkward, but sort of like, it's like Jeff Goldblum if he was British and better looking. See, I'm not comfortable
0: with either of those things for Jeff Goldblum, because Uh, I like him just the way he is. Oh,
1: no, I do too. I'm just
0: saying. No, 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 I get what you're saying, but I just imagined a British, better-looking Jeff Goldblum, and I'm going to have nightmares tonight.
1: (laughs) No, it's, nature wouldn't find that way.
0: (laughs) Let's hope not.
1: God creates Jeff Goldblum.
0: (laughs) God creates you, Grant. Grant. Hugh Grant destroys Jeff Goldblum. God destroys the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works.
1: Uh, Anyway, he plays Keith Michaels, a very washed up screen, British screenwriter who wrote one movie that everybody like adores. Like it's something like the Princess Bride or something where everybody fucking saw it. Gotcha. Everywhere he goes, people are quoting it at him when they realize who he is. They just they love him because of this movie. But he he won Academy Award for best screenplay in 1998 (laughs) and has never he's gotten a few things produced since then, and they all sucked. Uh, Since then, he's gone broke. He got divorced. And he gets forced in a position where he's got to go teach, which he is completely disdainful of. But he's in that position. He doesn't really have any choice anymore. So he goes to upstate New York, where uh, he immediately starts sleeping with one of his students. And who could blame him? Because she's super hot. (laughs) I think the courts at some point. Oh, wait, no, oh, no, It's no, college. I, sorry. I forgot it was college. Yeah, it's college. Woo! Sidestep that landmine. Uh, and, but at the same time, there's this older student in his class played by the still very sexy Marissa Tomei, who he definitely, his real feelings are starting to be directed towards her, whether he wants them to or not. And I mean, it's kind of an extended meet cute between those two. And the whole this tension that comes between him and Allison Janney who's this very stick up her ass uh teacher of uh, Jane Austen books hmm. uh, they're kind of at odds and when it turns out that like oh wait it's actually a rule the teachers aren't allowed at this university to date the students he's trying to sweep the whole thing under the under, uh, you know, under the, the, the whatever you call it the rug the rug thank yeah. you I was going <laughs> to say curtain but not, it's under the curtain yeah, under the behind the curtain <laughs> under the marketplace stall
0: yeah he's trying to sweep it under the paper moon yeah that's, that, that's yeah, what yeah. it is yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> sleep it under the four weddings and a funeral <laughs> <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, there's wacky characters running around, like J.K. Simmons who plays the professor of the the head professor of the school. Which, All right, you know, I'm in. It's J.K. Simmons. Uh, you already got uh, me. Who doesn't have much to do, but when he is on screen, he's very likable. Chris Elliott, who is just basically playing a chris elliott role here he's the not surprising yeah uh, you know he doesn't add much to it and quite frankly there's not much original going on here this is only for the hardest of hardcore hugh grant fans there's nothing offensive or necessarily bad here it's just all rote and old school and stuff we've seen uh, much done much better than this a million times before including movies with hugh grant yeah so Ah, uh, the rewrite is basically a rewrite of other other much better films.
0: See, it's so strange to watch this weird fall from grace because he used to be the biggest star on the planet. Oh yeah, but that- I thought they were going to elect him. I don't know if you elect the kings, but I thought they were going to make him the new king of England for a while. Yeah, he was that. They're going to have to change the name to the United Kingdom. Yeah.
1: Hey, oh, it just went a long way for that joke. Oh yeah, that was all set up.
0: <laughs> that was all set up, and I've been thinking about it for like three minutes. No, fair enough. So we're going to move on from that to... I want to talk about this Dirty Dozen double feature. Okay. Uh, that was put out by Olive Films. Um, first of all, you would maybe, when you see this, this is... I'm going to... The, the titles of these movies, there is no way of knowing which one comes first. Because they are The Deadly Mission and The Fatal Mission. So essentially the exact same title. It doesn't really matter because, like, there's no continuity. No, but here's here's the thing. When you look at this Blu-ray, you might think to yourself, they made a second and third but you would be wrong because this is actually the, the third, third and fourth. fourth.
1: Yeah, there was actually a second one with characters from the film playing the characters they played in the film, including Lee Marvin. Including Lee Marvin. This is not the, that. This no. is a, Telly Savalas going, hey, man, I need a fucking paycheck. Yeah, well, you died in the Dirty Dozen. Well, fuck it. Just make me a different, different character. character.
0: Yeah, yeah, which they only did. I looked this up. They only did because Lee Marvin got really sick uh, the year
1: before they made the
0: third it one. Still makes me sad. Thinking and about then he Lee died.
1: Marvin. Right before they made the fourth one. It makes me so sad he's not with us anymore.
0: I know, right? And it'll make you even sadder when you watch these
1: movies. Because they're made for TV. So made for TV. There's even commercial breaks. It's the A-team version of the Dirty Dozen. And that being said, for what it is, these aren't terrible. They're very dated. They're just, if you've got a taste for Dirty Dozen, which of course you would when they're called the Dirty Dozen colon something else. Yeah. then they're not going to really satisfy in the same level. Not but at all. If you could imagine that there was a Dirty Do- Dozen television series and went, oh, this isn't that bad. Was there not a Dirty Dozen? There was a Magnificent Seven. Yeah, television. I, that's I where I, I get don't confused. think there was a Dirty Dozen television series. But this then.
0: is, yeah, I mean, it's fun to kind of watch these to see who pops up because that was one of the great things about. The Dirty Dozen was its ridiculously amazing cast. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, and Ernest Bordenine does actually be the one character who, who's in all of who's them. Who's in all of them. The only character who's in all four films. Because that guy always looks like he's just like, fuck it, just give me my fucking check.
0: Yeah, why not? <laughs> fuck it, I'll do your movie. Yeah. Uh, but, like, for example, in the third one, uh, Randall Tex Cobb, who you might remember as Leonard Smalls from Raising Arizona, uh, yeah, yeah. is in it. Uh, in the fourth one, Ernie Hudson shows up, and so does Eric Estrada, like it is fun to kind of like play Where's Waldo with these with these cast members, but there's just like when you're called the Dirty Dozen and and you have such an expectation, and Telly Savalas is so out of shape and so
1: tired. Oh, yeah. yeah, he everybody. Yeah, the the other actors look like they're more into it than Savalas, who is just going through the motions largely here. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there is fun to be had. Um, I only watched the first one, The Deadly Mission and I laughed in the way that they're trying so hard to hit all the same plot tropes that yeah. happened in the original. Like, so many of the characters are just Slightly different versions of characters from the original Dirty Dozen, which is funny because the fourth one is doing that with the second one. Oh, really? The fourth one is once again about
0: uh, about a train ambush, which is what the second one was about. Mm. So it's like the third one's trying to be the first one, and the fourth one's trying to be the second one. And I just went cross-eyed.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Too but, much, too much. Know, I mean, this is for collectors. It's yes. two completionists, on two on one disc. If you're that big of a Dirty Dozen fan, then fuck it, why not?
0: If Telesavalis
1: is your favorite actor, pick this up. Yep,
0: that's what I will say. Uh, Moving on from there, we had a few other Olive releases here that uh, I'll dive into, one of which uh, is probably – okay, I will say this. There are two Olive releases that are battling for my pick of the week, and the first one is bestseller. Yeah. Which, if you haven't seen Best Seller... I never even heard of it before. I have
1: it on VHS, but I never popped in the tape. Holy shit, this was a good movie. It's so fucking good. I was like, okay, now you can totally understand why this didn't really, like, wasn't a huge hit because someone in Hollywood went, oh yeah, Brian Dennehy is a leading man in an action movie. America will buy that.
0: And should totally (laughs) be paired up with James Woods, who America's still not sure how to feel about. Yeah. And never has been. But what if I told you this was written by Larry Cohen? What if I told you it was directed by... By the guy who did Rolling Fucking Thunder.
1: Well, they James uh, John Flynn, which yeah. is
0: what attracted me to it immediately. I was like John Flynn, but then I saw Larry Cohen, and I was like, okay, well, it's still John Flynn. Okay, it's not <laughs> Paul Schrader like he worked with on Rolling Thunder, but, but that's I, fine. I like Larry Cohen a lot. I like Larry Cohen, but he's a schlock guy. Yeah, he is. He is a schlock slinger. Which is hard to say, um, but this movie is about... I think that's Hebrew. I think it is, right? <laughs> I think I just spoke Yiddish for a second. Uh, it starts in 1972. There is a raid on a uh, an evidence locker at a police station. There's a robbery that goes wrong. Brian Denny, he's one of the cops. He gets shot, but he lives. But he decides that, uh, in addition to being a cop, because I thought, it, like, initially I thought he was supposed to be retired... And then the very next scene uh, takes place several years later, and he's still chasing down bad guys. Right. He's not retired. He's just a little tired. He's a little, he's very <laughs> tired. But on the side, he writes books, and they've been pseudo successful. He's still kind of struggling to. Yeah, he's got a name for himself, but he hasn't made himself rich off of it. He's mostly a name because of what happened to him. Yeah. More than for his writing. And into his life breezes James Woods, who says, Hey, I worked for the mob as an assassin. I can help you bring a realism to your next book that not only will make it a bestseller, but we're going to take down this mafia boss with the it's going to be a, a non-fiction book and not only is it going to be huge for you but it's going to take this guy down But
1: not even just a mafia boss this guy that no one knows is a mafia boss who's like one of the guys who holds the key to the fucking city who everyone considers to be a hero which is awesome because he's played by the guy who plays sosa in scarface oh, there he goes. so he's he basically playing wrong. the same role yeah it was kind of weird casting that you're like you sure you don't want to go with more of a robert redford type for this one because <laughs> <laughs> like the moment you see this guy you go like oh yeah he's a mobster
0: what i like about this movie <laughs> (laughs) Movie a lot is it follows buddy cop formula, but one of the cops is not a cop. ...and routinely murders people that they talk to along the way.
1: And the that you don't realize that you're watching a smartest guy in the room movie... ...till like over halfway through it. Yeah. Because you feel like Dennehy is kind of... You don't... You're, you're concerned for this guy. is clearly the hero. But you're worried that all this is leading towards something really bad for him... ...until you realize, oh, he's paying attention. Oh, he's
0: super paying
1: attention. <laughs> he's actually pretty much a badass.
0: This is a great gem of a movie. And this is exactly why I'm glad that companies like all of Films exist... Because nobody else was trying to put this out on Blu-ray. Yeah. And this is, like, honestly, like, it—it it is one of those movies that if you listen to this show because you want to get turned on to things you never would have seen otherwise, watch this movie. Because that's exactly what this is. And yeah, I'm going to say it. pick of the week. This is my pick wow, of the week. Wow. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to say Veep is for me. Veep's That's fair. That's a, That's a good choice too. Uh, That's a good choice too. Actually, there's a scene in here with Victoria Tennant, not the Saturday Night Live girl, but this other English act- actor. She, probably if you watched movies from this period, you saw her in a shit ton of stuff. And there's a very hot scene with her basically. Well, it's hot and creepy where James Wood is- <laughs> Your is, favorite kind of James hot. James Wood is like uh, threatening her with a knife while she's all but naked. Uh, like, oh God, that girl's hot. Anyway, yeah, really good movie. Sadly, this is Olive Films. Not because it's Olive. Thank you, Olive, for putting yes, out. Yes, thanks for putting it out. But Sadly, that there's no, no bonus features, features yeah. once again, uh, because I would have loved to have seen people coming back and talking about this one. And
0: there was absolutely no trivia about this on IMDb. Really? Which is so weird to me. Like, it's a ghost movie.
1: It's it, when really I see
0: not a single bit of trivia, I feel like the way that, like, if you move into a house that's 100 years old and they're like, yeah, no one's ever lived here, you're like, what do you mean no one's ever lived? I
1: here? think it's because this comes from the like it really hasn't I don't think it ever got a DVD release and it I don't think it probably just disappeared since VHS, which was pre-internet era. Yeah. So it's like, okay, all these people who write reviews for IMDB Never got a chance to see it.
0: But that makes it even doubly more disappointing there's not any special features. I want to know everything about this And it
1: makes it doubly more exciting that it's a discovered gem.
0: Yeah. If I ever get the chance to interview John Flynn, who I think is still alive, but maybe (laughs) might not be. If I get the chance to interview him, I'm going to talk about Rolling Thunder for like 20 minutes of the interview. No, he's dead. Uh, Damn it. That means I got to talk to Larry Cohen. That's okay. We'll have a lot to talk about still.
1: (laughs) That's fine. Hold on. Yeah, he's
0: alive. He's still alive, all right. <laughs> well, moving on to the other Olive Films release that came very close there's to a being... a couple
1: different ones. Well,
0: actually. but the one that became very close to being my pick of the week, is oh, what I meant, okay. is Without a Clue, which is a movie I actually saw when I was younger, like in high school, and really loved. Yeah, and, me too. And I watched it again, and I'm like, yeah, this is still great.
1: Well, I'm a sucker for anything that has the words Sherlock Holmes in it, and I especially love when you find a new way of doing it that it's not... I mean, I love the traditional Holmes, too, but I love it so much more when they find a weird new take. Like, there's one with George C. Scott who plays a like a, a crazy guy who thinks he's Sherlock Holmes but he's not but gets involved with solving crimes anyway that's just wonderful. This is another one of those okay this is a very different take on it with a uh, you know I mean like, uh, Michael Caine uh, just say my cocaine and you're saying if it's anything, not your cocaine it's my cocaine exactly you've done it with the accent uh playing Sherlock Holmes which let's to be fair it was only a matter of time uh and True. he is you know very much the classic Holmes in the Victorian era awful bluster uh having fun at the expense of the local uh uh, uh Police uh, ins- Inspector Lestrade, played by Jeffrey Jones, uh, until you realize. Who should be investigating him Oh, Oh, you yeah, know, with his loyal sidekick, John Watson, played by Ben Kingsley. And very shortly into this, you realize Holmes is a fucking idiot. He's so stupid. He's like a blithering idiot. <laughs> And so he's an actor that's been hired by Ben Kingsley, by by John Watson, because Watson, as it always was, who he was a writer writing about these adventures. They set it up that basically he's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and people so wanted to believe that all this stuff was really happening that he had to hire this actor to be Holmes and then... St- kept getting asked to go out and solve real crimes which he was admittedly good at but kept having to like sort of signal to holmes to be the one to solve the stuff publicly yeah which at this point has driven them both crazy
0: yeah it, it's so i mean you're talking about michael Caine and ben kingsley like if that's not two all-stars coming together i don't know what is i mean this is so phenomenal and their repartee and the way michael Caine plays an idiot it's it's just like candy this whole movie is just fucking candy and i lo- i can't get enough of it
1: yeah it's it's really good stuff like i said if you're a holmes fan at all this is one that should absolutely be in your collection um I'll, you know obviously you get the but they, they separate fuck you no fuck you but then uh watson something happens to watson and everyone's like holmes you gotta help us and he's like
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I can do that. Oh shit. Oh shit. And yeah. it's
1: honestly Michael Caine at his like silly best.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah this is this is a must, must, must see. Yeah. Agreed. I love this movie. Good stuff. And I think I think bestseller only edged it out because I knew about without a clue and like the discovery element just like pushed it over the edge. But seriously, neck and neck these two movies. What was it was another olive films release. Oh god.
1: Alan Quatermain and the Lost City of Gold. Oh, let me point out. I know every character in the entire movie says Quatermain. It's Quatermain.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. I had to, I was like, wait a minute. Is this misspelled when I was looking it up? I was like, <laughs> no. In fact, one of the reviews I read even specifically pointed out, fuck, it's Quatermain. Yeah. Even on the spelling, it says Quatermain, and everyone in the movie says Quatermain.
0: Well, there's also Alan Quatomain, Quat- oh, who yeah. just lives in the belly of another character. <laughs> um,
1: this is... Uh, Golan Globus at maybe <laughs> one of their lowest points. One of their most plagiaristic points, for sure. I mean, th- I mean, Golan Globus already has. There's No shysters. End of shit. Yeah. But this.
0: <laughs> whoa. I
1: mean this is a straight up rip off of Indiana Jones which you know people are like no uh quarterman stories are first. This yeah. movie is a total rip off this of movie Indiana is Jones. A rip off of Indiana they Jones. They steal
0: entire scenes, entire like shots from Raiders of the Lost Ark like when the guy like opens the door, the the Arab guy opens the door and then he like looks into the
1: alley like there's like entire literally they stage shots exactly the same yet do it completely incompetently and so incompetent i I can't even begin to tell you how incompetent this is i mean there's like scenes where like there's giant rubber bats there was no attempt made to hire the hide the wires that they're on there's a scene where a this is my favorite where a lion jumps out and attacks him and the way this is edited (laughs) it's like stock footage reaction shot stock footage reaction shot you're like this
0: came out in theaters dude at least tippy heddon let a lion actually maul her in uh, in in, in, in roar. roar
1: oh 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 sharon stone Oh, In this movie playing his wife, because this is playing actually, Kate
0: Capshaw. This is
1: actually the second movie. They were made at the exact same time by Globe. as The first one was called King so- Alan Quartermain and King Solomon's Mines, which is not quite as bad, but eh, close. Wait a is, isn't King Solomon also known for his gold? Yeah. So is it just all fucking gold? Like a, that's all this guy does pretty much kind of a douchebag. Yeah, well, they make him out like he's the sweetest guy on the planet, even though clearly a racist, because he's, or at least the makers are James Earl Jones wearing like a lion toga and a giant axe walking around. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, God. And it's like, remember
0: when you were in fucking Conan and you were badass? What the hell James Oh, yeah, Earl Jones. but Sharon
1: Stone is, how she ever got another job after this is baffling. At least Kate Capshaw
0: blew Steven Spielberg, so oh, you can you can understand there's that there's
1: no question she blew somebody to get more work. <laughs> because this is the worst performance I've seen in a film and I don't even know how long. It,
0: this this whole movie is so like, it's best moments, and the best is a really relative term when I'm talking about this. It's most bearable moments are the moments when it's completely wholesale ripping off Raiders of the Lost oh, yeah. Ark.
1: Or when it's just so bad, you can't help but laugh. The
0: canoe? The yeah. fucking canoe oh, in the cave uh, over the rapids? God. Fuck this Henry movie. Silver
1: is the, like... You know, as basically the villain from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, yeah. uh, who is—he's uh, Mola yeah, yeah—he's totally playing it so over the top, and you know he's capable of much better than this. Henry
0: Silva playing. is a great actor. What he was doing? Well, the same way with with James Earl Jones. I'm just like, what the fuck are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, James Earl Jones it look it looks like he's at least trying here. Silva it does not look like he cares.
0: Exactly. Silva doesn't care, and James Earl Jones cares but shouldn't.
1: And Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, in a very rare non-Elvira role, looking pretty good. Yep. But other than that, I, there's not much. You can and say for this film except it's really one of those that you want to pull out when your friends say let's have a bad movie night yeah this amaze them all with this one
0: dazzle them with the <laughs> ineptitude that is alan quatermain
1: incredibly inept
0: yeah so bad moving on uh let's see there's also from olive is this is another movie i had seen previously and i watched it on vhs and i am baffled by two things one that they put it out on blu-ray not because it was, like, a gem, but because it's not good. And two, that fucking cover, that fucking cover sells you a really exciting movie that this movie does not deliver. Oh,
1: yeah, it's called Night Game. And Working on
0: my night game. Like, I
1: mean, it looks like a cool, like, uh, slasher film, but with Roy Scheider in the Love lead, Roy Scheider. Right? Taking place around, like, you know, uh, like a, b- something to do with, like, professional baseball where there's a killer tied to that in some way. Uh, but what it really should show is a picture of like the city at sunset and a guy playing the saxophone because yeah. that's 30 minutes at least of this film. So
0: much saxophone. <laughs> I have not seen this much saxophone since Lost Boys. Saxophone. Saxophone lame. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I like Roy Scheider. I like baseball. I like sports movies. This has all those things.
1: Plus saxophone. Plus lots and lots of saxophone. So all of that divided by saxophone equals shit. This is pretty much the the eighties like the Miami Vice era of the eighties compressed in a into a white dwarf star. Yeah. Well,
0: but at least the Houston Astros were featured in a positive light since they're not very good. <laughs> Although I said that on a on a, a recent uh, Rage Select episode, I know somebody was like, "Oh, they're undefeated. They've played one game." <laughs> this is the most. Hey, this man.
1: Is... It's the Astros. They won a game. Yeah, we're that's incredible. the thing. Is that's how sad it's like you got to hold on to the the fleeting accomplishment of one game, one. <laughs> at least I'm going with. It sounds like that's what you're saying. So yes, I'm it's entirely what I'm saying,
0: and you're entirely correct, and you're learning, and I like that. But there's so much of this movie that's like. You
1: had money, and you happen to be in Houston. That's why this
0: movie exists.
1: Well, this is one of the. It is a slasher film, but not in the horror sense, in the police procedural sense. Yeah, you know, so it's more like a law, bad Law and Order episode than it's anything else. Like
0: a worse version of the Fan with Robert De Niro. Do you, mm. you remember that movie? That's it exactly. Yeah, yeah, the Fan actually is not a great film, but looks like a fucking masterpiece. Well, he have got a killer
1: this. here who ultimately, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, he's killing woman because of something to do with the Houston Astros. <laughs> you know, it's which all, if I was an Astros fan, I would routinely kill everybody. It's I'd a, be so mad. It's a long way to go for not much of a payoff and a killer with a hook for a hand, which by the way, unless you have a specialty killing hook made, seems to me it wouldn't be that great as a weapon.
0: Yeah, not not so much. Not, not so a, much. No, no, this is this is a skip it, which is very unfortunate because I love Roy Scheider. I will say if you want a lesser known Roy Scheider film that is really cool, Cohen and Tate. I huh? really like Cohen and, that and Tate was, that Shout Factory. Put yeah, I
1: remember out. we reviewed that at one point. Fun
0: stuff. This not so much. Is that? It? I think we've covered all the, the all the olive. All ones, the olive. Yeah. There was a whole vine. Oh no, of no, no, no!
1: There was one more. There was- oh, the end of violence, which I
0: actually did not get a chance to see. So tell me about okay, the I'll end of violence. Briefly
1: about the end of violence. Now this is Vim Vendors, who made you know some really amazing art film type stuff. I mean, it's VIM W-I-M, if you will, a German uh, playwright, photographer, author, filmmaker, uh, who did Wings of Desire, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Which
0: was sadly remade into uh, City of Angels yeah, with Nicholas Cage. which is
1: nowhere near as good, but is still has its moments. Decent so. enough, I yeah. guess. I mean, it's just compared to Wings of Desire. It's a piece of fuck. It's, it's, You know, uh, Alan Quatermain.
0: (laughs) Man, that movie's going to become the barometer for shit so fast.
1: But this is a not terribly well-received 1997 film by him with a strong cast and and good cinematography and not a lot else. The problem is trying to figure out what the fuck is he getting at? And a lot of his films, he's kind of meandering through characters' lives. I mean, that's kind of his style. And here you're like okay, so are you saying that NSA spying is bad? Because I don't think anybody here disagrees with you. Um, Yeah, I don't don't think anyone's arguing that Well, this is supposed to be kind of a fear piece about what was already happening and to treat people like, oh wait, no, this is just getting ready to start happening. uh, About that sort of thing. And you've got Bill Pullman as a sort of Harvey Weinstein-ish type uh, producer. Not appearance-wise, but personality-wise. Right. uh, Who's all like, you know, when we see him at first, he's by the pool with like eight different computer and, and stuff phone things around him you know or the versions of those in 1997 uh and he ends up getting he's having problems with his wife played by andy mcdowell who literally breaks up with him over phone and she's sitting 20 feet away in the house (laughs) it's one of those movies
0: see i like doing that some not breaking up with people on the phone (laughs) i liked it like like we were in a movie once we were sitting waiting for a movie to start and jc was sitting down our row and i called him and he's like (laughs) why are
1: you It's like because i want to get up just to tell him something? He's like, you gotta quit doing this. I sometimes like to do that. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I'll do it to Courtney here. She'll be in the bedroom. I'm out here. It's like, I don't feel like getting up. <laughs> <laughs> we are awful people. Yeah, well, it could explain a lot of things. True, though, for sure. true. Uh, when they, when we da- both die of heart failure, be like, hey, remember what that story they were telling on Digital Noise? I'm still gonna say look for a suspect. <laughs> okay? Th- they're gonna, it was the cats. It was probably the cats. Uh, so anyway he gets this message from a NASA employee saying with a huge amount of data saying, look at this, this is really scary. He doesn't even get a chance to look at it before he's kidnapped by two incompetent assassins that he manages to turn the tables on uh, and get away and decides to hide as a Mexican gardener. I'm not making this up uh, (laughs) with a bunch of Mexican gardeners and just live with them for a while and basically stalk everyone else else in his life and watch what's going on. Meanwhile, you have Gabriel Byrne who works at the, who's a scientist working at the, at the, at a, um, what do you call Think it? Think tank? No, uh, uh, big telescopy place. An observatory? Yes, thank you. An observatory. A big telescopy place. <laughs> I don't have words today. <laughs> no,
0: it's forever called a big telescopy place. Where
1: food dig thing? <laughs> You're a fucking caveman. <laughs> Just call me Algernon. Give me my flowers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And he (sighs) has some sort of deal with this NSA-ish organization that I don't think they ever actually name to monitor all the spy satellites and cameras all over the city. Can I stop you real quick? So the NSA and NASA are in this movie? Yeah.
0: That would get real confusing
1: for me They're, real well, fucking Well, they quick. never say NSA. They okay. just, like, some government agency.
0: That's good, because I'd be like, I don't, which one? Uh, now you're fucking so confusing. He's,
1: like, spying everything, and he sees what's going on with the stuff with Bill Pullman, but never really gets tied in. I'm never really sure what one story has to do with the other, ultimately, that much, except that that file was about this organization, but even though he never saw it, and it's it's also loosely connected and there's no satisfying way that it all comes together that at best you can appreciate the sort of mellow almost lackadaisical type performances Vim Vendors likes to sometimes pull out of his actors with really good actors doing it and then the beautiful cinematography but other than that I can see why people were like eh... Interesting, Sam Fuller actually has a small performance in this. That is interesting. Yeah, uh, which was rare. but Because uh, he's a
0: director, yeah, not an actor.
1: Exactly. But, no, I mean, this is only for the curious of Vim Van Vendor's fan, uh, fans, because it's not one of his better films.
0: Fair enough. Well, that takes care of the olive releases. Yes. And let's move on to Wolverine and Sabretooth. Ugh.
1: Wolver- I'm sorry, Wolverine versus
0: Sabretooth.
1: Okay, you look, Marvel Knights, I'm getting pretty fucking sh- sick of your shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's time we had a talk.
1: It is time we had a talk. This is the sequel to Wolverine versus Sabretooth cuz this is Wolverine versus Sabretooth Reborn, uh which should have
0: just stayed dead.
1: This is the basically an epilogue to the last one, which was a decently length. This is super short and is really just that. I mean, like it's Wolverine killing Sabretooth which happened at the end of the last one and then going, "Oh, well, there's also this guy named Romulus who claims he's, like, the first one of people like you. And he has cloned Sabretooth hundreds and hundreds of times.
0: The oldest plot device imaginable. I mean, he's dead. What do we do? Clone him.
1: I, I'd already gotten tired of, like, the Wolverine retcons by this point. But this is the point I in the comics. I went, you know what? I'm just not reading this anymore. I'm so fucking tired of these retcons. What they need to do at this point is have someone come along and say, oh, you know all those other retcons? I was actually just manipulating all those people to think that's what happened to you. The truth is, you're just this dude. Nothing I wanna... really so You were born a mutant, and Weapon X program happened, but it was just a regular government program. They put the metal on you, and that's the end of the fucking story, dude. Don't worry about I it. I want to see someone have a convention where they go back and
0: act as if they fixed all the problems of major conventions before they started. Yeah. You can call it RetconCon.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. RetconCon. 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 Yeah, the I didn't like this. To the Con. Yes. <laughs> I did not like this. I did not like this either. I am kind of getting sick of the motion comic thing. I, it does not work for I'm me. I'm usually very forgiving in the motion comics, but this is much more shabbily put together than most of them. It looks pretty bad. It's Like I said, it's super, ridiculously short. I can't believe you would charge anybody for this fucking thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a bonus feature on the other one, is what? or just maybe this all one thing. It's just pure greed putting these out as two separate ones. I don't... Get it at all, and I don't like the story that it's with. It's stupid. It's like it is the dropping off point where you go. You know what? I don't think I like Wolverine anymore.
0: Yeah, which is a, well, which <laughs> cinematically it was almost happened for me twice. But in in this in this motion comic thing is a recent development. And yeah, I just yeah. no, thank you. Well,
1: enough said.
0: Enough said. The review is short as the movie. <laughs> Let's move on to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I got to talk about this for a no. second here cuz this actually yeah. this is what happens when dude bros make a horror movie. <laughs> and honestly, I am already checked out. No, it it I almost want to recommend people to watch this just in the context that this is a couple of rich dude bros who made a movie went to the local strip club and hired all their friends who hang out at and dance at the strip club. Come on, we're going to make a horror movie. Isn't that exactly how we hired people for this website? It takes place in the town of West Craven. They're constantly going, man, West Craven isn't as cool as it used to be. Ah. Yeah, West Craven's pretty lame now. And you're like, Dude, even Wes Craven's worst movie makes this, you know, uh, like, it looks like Citizen Kane compared to this piece of muck.
0: Look, I think Wes Craven is the most overrated horror filmmaker of all time. And even I don't think you deserve to make jokes like that. Well,
1: this is a bunch of, like, ridiculously pretty people who... And the one thing I'll give it is it starts in the beginning of the second act. In the beginning of the movie, they're coming out of the swamp, covered in muck. Two of their friends are dead. And they're like, what was that? What happened? By the way, we never do get to find out what happened, because the whole rest of the movie doesn't in any way, shape or form involve the titular muck. Uh, this was supposed to be the plan was to make the middle film out of a trilogy of horror films and go back and do the first one and then do the finale uh, where it's a bunch of white guy dudes painted in white uh, carrying torches that are slasher killing all these kids and who gives a fuck and it oh. tries to be meta and occasionally it manages to be a little funny but oh my god it's so fucking offensive it's i mean you almost have to see it just to not even believe how offensive it is there's a girl in here who's an indian girl who's super super hot not a native american indian but from india uh dots not feathers yes exactly mm. and the this dude bros with her slaps her ass and uh And she says, I'm like, you don't get to do that to me. It's like, yeah, I think that I do. And she's like, oh, I hate it when you make sense. Wow. There's stuff like that all the way through this. This has got the most amount of shameless. And like, I can't believe I'm complaining about nudity, but there's a point that you're just bored as shit with it. Stop it. Girls, you can, it keep your clothes on for five minutes. I mean, like, even the credit sequence? Like, all right, so we've seen these girls come out of the swamp, and they're all covered with muck, and there were, two of them are basically wearing their underwear, and yet mysteriously during the credit sequence, just shows these two girls wandering around, po- presumably after this, t- completely topless. And yet, when it goes back to the regular narrative, they're not topless anymore.
0: Yeah, you, if you get to a point where you're literally making boobs boring, you're doing it wrong.
1: Yeah, they and they did it wrong. This is oh. this is super, super, super dumb, dumb stuff.
0: Look, I get that stuff goes wrong, and I get that like the original plan that you had for movies doesn't
1: work out. But if that's the case... Don't make that movie. Don't yeah. release that movie. No, you shouldn't. Oh, like once again, this is one of those like maybe this is a bad movie night movie. It's at that level that it's so bad you might actually have a good time watching it with your friends and Shit. and, and uh, your best friend beer. Yeah, but uh, your best if your best friend is beer. Uh, well, enough said about muck. It really is the muck. Oh yeah, and it ends with, with a. Uh, Okay, well, it looks like the other guys that are haunting us, don't, who are chasing us, don't like going in the swamp. Let's go in the swamp. And then something we don't get to see kills one of the guys in the swamp, and they're going, huh, oh shit, I wonder what that was. Credits. You know what? Muck you. <laughs> Muck you
0: all. So it looks like we got two titles left. Two left. Two okay, left. And, and point to the one that's our giveaway. Uh, oh, shit. Or is or is none of them our giveaway? None of
1: them is our giveaway. Okay,
0: we're not talking about our giveaway, apparently. It's,
1: it's actually, we're going to give away... Uh, well, I'll get to it. At
0: the okay, we'll get, okay, so I can't ruin the giveaway no, by you talking about it. can't ruin the one. giveaway. Yeah. So let's go with The Voices. Okay. Uh, which is a movie I actually started seeing a trailer for on other things that we reviewed, and I remember thinking, wow, I kind of want to see that. Uh, and I'm glad that I did, uh, If if, you know, maybe a little disappointed in how it wrapped up. Uh, this is a movie starring Ryan Reynolds because apparently he hadn't booked uh, Deadpool yet, so he was still yeah. doing this shit. And uh, so this in this movie he plays a guy who works at a, a, a factory, some some
1: kind of they make uh, they bathtub.
0: make uh, yeah fixtures is what yeah. they make. Uh, but he works in the 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 department where they just pack and seal the boxes. He's in packaging and shipping or whatever. Uh, but he's he's uh, what's the word? Uh, cuckoo bananas?
1: Yeah, he's got. Um, uh, He hallucinates voices. He's schizophrenic in that sense. And he imagines his life is, like, much better than it really is. Totally. He's constantly, hey, guys, how are you doing? He's very upbeat and positive. Uh, And the truth is very different than the world. The world he lives in is very different than how he actually
0: sees it. He goes home and talks to his dog and cat. Not the way that we both totally do that. But uh, they speak back to him in different voices that are all totally his voice. And I actually really like that a lot that they let Ryan Reynolds do the voice of the dog and the cat with various accents, as opposed to hiring voice actors. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because if if he really was disassociative, they would be in his own voice. And it doesn't,
1: neither one of them sounds like him at all. No, He does don't. a great job with the voice. One is Scottish, and one is kind of like this. The Scottish one actually sounds a lot like Billy Connolly. It does. I thought it was Billy Connolly. It's a little, it sounds more like Billy Connolly than Billy Connolly did in Five Armies. But he is so, he's just naive, ultimately, in his craziness. He literally Or thinks, is he naïve? He, uh, he really thinks his cat and dog can talk he he really thinks he doesn't really question it most of the time yeah you know every once in a while he's like "Eh." and there's a point where his his doctor uh, played
0: by Jackie Weaver yeah
1: Jackie Weaver tells him you have to get back on your medication Uh, and he does and we see the house he lives in is a fucking shithole not the really pretty well clean place we normally see it as and uh, you know obviously the dog and cat can't talk and he's fucking flipping out because of it fuck that
0: his world doesn't make sense anymore
1: I'd rather live in in the world without the pills yeah Uh, and he basically, he meets a girl, played by Gemma Arterton, and really falls for her, even though she hasn't really fallen for him, until she accidentally falls over and he accidentally falls on top of her with her knife. Yeah. And kills her. Yeah. And is like, fuck, I guess I'll just cut off her head and take it home and put it in my freezer.
0: Yeah, and that's where you, you draw the line between, <laughs> I accidentally killed somebody, it was a mistake, and no, cuckoo bananas for sure. Yeah, uh,
1: and, you know, the thing is, is like this movie... The movie trailer sells this as more of a comedy
0: of like a slapstick comedy. And it's
1: not. I think it is funny but in a very sort of like very
0: dark way. Oh, it's 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 black comedy. I mean,
1: it and what's it's weird because it doesn't feel black. The tone is not black. The tone is happy go lucky yeah. but not funny. It's more depressing because the tone is happy go lucky. Yeah, it seems like the ultimate
0: joke is how bleak the content is versus the tone.
1: And but that's the thing. I both love that about it, and I couldn't connect completely with it. I would have been okay
0: with it if it had reconciled in a good way. If it yeah. had come, something had come of it in the end. The ending of this film, like I'm like, what are you again? I feel like the way you did with the Ben Benders film, I'm like, what's your point? Yeah. Because the end is like, just so like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. do, 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 do. i am like, no, that doesn't work.
1: I, I don't know. I, I liked that about it, actually. I thought that was consistent with the tone of the rest of the film that, you know, hey, man, he's in his happy place. What can I Which tell you? it is. But to me, the tone
0: of the rest of the film only works because you're thinking it's going to be something but else. The, or it's going to be something.
1: I, I found that ending, happy-go-lucky ending, the darkest part of the entire film. And that's what that's I liked true. about it. That that's It's, it's really, it freaked me out. Watching Mm -hmm. it, there's an end credits musical number that had me very disturbed to watch because it was like a Disney musical thing, not because there was something like all the creepiness is under the surface, not what you're actually seeing uh this is actually um um by Marjane Satrapi who you're like wait who that's the author uh, uh you know and artist and director of the film Persepolis uh, if you remember that one i do cuz i did not like that oh movie. really i really like persepolis yeah, a lot uh, chicken a with plums not so much as good but um oh, which was the sequel to it but this is a uh, odd film to be sure to say the least <laughs> uh i i do recommend it. it's also got anna kendrick as the the next girl he tries to make it work with who has a very typical anna kendrick she's so sweet and adorable type of role
0: yeah um which may have been my problem like you better leave her alone Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> you
1: better fucking leave her alone i i don't know i think ultimately i did really like this film but it left me unsettled yeah, I mean, I guess I I liked what
0: it was doing. I thought it was going somewhere. I just, I don't know, it didn't, the ending didn't quite stick for me. Fair enough. But something I did like that I did not expect to... Uh, I'm really curious to know about what you were going to say about this one. <laughs> Dude, I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, Harlock the Space Pirate.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny? Like, in general, Americans like and uh, Europeans took to this film, and the Japanese, who this is made from and is an adaptation of a classic anime, they fucking hated it. Huh. And the main reason is because, like happens so often with new versions of things over there with anime, it just barely resembles the original Stuff. Yeah. Like, they have completely changed it up. The characters, several have different names, different motivations, a a wildly different plot. Who cares? Yeah, I don't give a shit. (laughs) kick-ass space fighting CG and all sorts of, I mean, the space battles are massive in this fucking thing. And not only that, but the story's really cool. The story is, like, the
0: opposite of Interstellar, where it's like... We all left Earth at once because we were like, not because there was anything wrong with Earth, but because we thought there was better stuff out there. Yeah. And then we fucked up all those planets and went, oh, I guess we're all going to have to go back to Earth. But the problem with spreading out the human population among several planets is now there's a lot more of them, and they can't all fit on Earth anymore. So Earth itself, the ability to be on Earth... Is like a precious resource. Yeah,
1: and, and there's all these guardian ships around it. Like, you're not allowed to come near Earth. No. You know, only the very, very, very rich, and even then, like, not very many, are allowed to visit. Yeah. You can't even live there. It's, like, looked at as a park, and which yeah. is a problem, because the whole rest of the universe is getting overcrowded, and everyone's like, where the fuck are we supposed to go? We're out of resources. Uh, so you've got this guy, Harlock, who is the lead pirate of this ship that apparently nothing can even dent. Yeah. I mean, literally. Oh, it's a, it's a dreadnought. He drives the ship through other ships. It's And, those, <laughs> and you're right. Those space battles are
0: so fucking cool. And his whole like get up and his persona is very iconic. And, He's got this weird-ass bird on his shoulder that's not a parrot. It looks like something out of Dr. It's,
1: Seuss. Yeah, it's yeah, like a goonie bird.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. a goonie bird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just like, it's so much fun. It's so well animated. The space battles are great. It's a great story. I can't believe I'm saying any of this about something based on
1: anime. But, yeah, no, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I super fun with it. I mean, at its worst, some of the uh, character facial animations are kind of limited. You know, yeah. when they try and show emotion, you're like, okay, you didn't build that many uh, facial models here. Yeah. And there's a bit of the whole, like, here's tons and tons and tons of exposition really fast yeah. to, to, to give you the whole story here. Okay, it does some of those anime things that I know normally drive you crazy, but there's so much fun to be had in amongst all of it all that yeah. I'm like... Just for pure visceral sci-fi, spacefaring, action movie entertainment. Yeah, I had great fun all the way through.
0: I absolutely agree. Cool. I was very, very blown away by that.
1: Well, our giveaway this week. Oh, yeah. Giveaway! Give away.
0: Is I a just bl- scared the cat right <laughs> off you. Did you see that? That was
1: amazing. It's a Blu-ray of St. Vincent. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, the that's Bill a great giveaway. I totally forgot that I had it. And I was like, oh shit, I still have this. So yeah, Blu ray, St. Vincent, the Bill Murray uh, film that we all, and Naomi Watts that we really, and uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, big Girl. Fatty Go Boom. Who's Fatty go Melissa McCarthy. There you go. You made, you made the same joke you say all the time. That no, you don't that was want the only way, her. like
0: literally, that's the only identifier I've been, giving, I've been given for her. So, so it's hard true. not to think of anything else. But
1: a really wonderful, great uh, movie. A dramedy. Highly recommend it. Yeah. And here's how you can win. All right. Ryan Salisbury.
0: Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, for this one, you're going to want to follow us on Twitter, as per usual, at one of us net. And then I want you to tweet at us with the answer to this hypothetical. And I'm making this up on the fly, so forgive me if it sucks. Uh, but the hypothetical is, name one place, just one place that you can think of that maybe Bill Murray showing up wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> Because Bill Murray
1: tends to show up a lot of places you wouldn't expect, and he tends to make everything better. I was pretty happy when he showed up behind the bar at Shangri-La in Austin, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Or he might turn up at your birthday party, who knows. He, He does that sort of thing. And he makes those things better. But I want you to try, rack your brains, and really think about a situation where Bill Murray showing up, May not be a good thing. And I want you to hashtag that St. V giveaway. We will pick our favorite person, or favorite answer. Not our favorite person. Our favorite answer. No the
1: man favoritism. man who has bought us the most presents. We really don't have that favoritism. No, I cannot. thought it was
0: funny. The last time I picked a winner, somebody else tweeted at me like, um, I'm not a sore loser, but that person's answer sounds a lot like uh, the, the Lone Ranger or something. So like they were sniping at each other for their answers. And I was just like, yes. Yes, puppets dance. Jesus. Dance. You you are Blofeld,
1: aren't you? A little bit. Franz uh, Oberhauser over here. Have you heard the latest on that? That he once again said, I am not Blofeld? Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's like, I'm playing this other guy who is completely... He uh,
1: thinks thou dost protest too yes, much. Yes, I think so. I yeah, think what, so. are you hanging out with J.J. Abrams now? He
0: probably has been. But yeah, so uh, like I said, some place that Bill Murray showing up would be a bad idea. Make sure to hashtag that St. V. giveaway. We'll pick our favorite answer, and that person will win. I do want to point out uh, the whole Christoph Waltz thing is very similar to – and somebody posted this on Reddit. I'm totally stealing from Reddit. I will cite them as my source. But somebody posted right underneath that story uh, the the scene from Airplane where he's like, you must be mistaken. I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My name is Roger Murdoch. It (laughs) says so right here, which is Christoph Waltz's whole defense is like – no, clearly the character I'm playing is not named Blofeld. My, f- my
1: favorite thing about that is where they finally they pull him out of his seat when he's unconscious and he's got his he's basketball got- shorts <laughs> He's got the shorts and the high socks on, which is such a 70s basketball thing, and yeah. he's wearing his goggles.
0: So good. So good. That's going to do it for Digital Noise. Thank you for sticking with us through this very long, but hopefully very enjoyable episode. I think we've had fun.
1: Uh, we had fun. I've had fun. Oh, hold on, let me check the meter. Yeah, we had fun.
0: Fun, the applause meter. meter Hold on. Hey, Fun! Awesome! Thanks for joining us. Uh, definitely follow us on Twitter at DigiNoiseCast. Follow the website at One of Us Follow us individually. I'm at Brian Salisbury.
1: I'm at Chris Cox, critic.
0: And like the website on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/One of Us Get yourself an, a, free auto, blah, 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 blah. a free audio, a free audiobook from Audible. That's kind of hard to say. And uh, definitely consider becoming a subscriber. I think that's all the housekeeping stuff. So I'm going to end the show the way I always do, reminding you, no release is too big, no release is too small. From Criterion to Quatermain, we review them all.
1: It's Quatermain.
0: No, wait, no, sorry, you had it right. Shit.